0: Well good morning my friends, Uh, this uh, is podcast number 305 for Thursday, June 10th. We're going to be looking in Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 29. Mark 6 is kind of a long chapter, there's quite a bit left. Uh, It'll take us probably a couple more days to get through it. Uh, We'll look ahead in just a a couple days to Jesus feeding the 5,000, Jesus walking on water, and Jesus healing the sick. Uh, but today we're going to look at uh, Herod and um, the death of John the Baptist. So let's go right to it. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 14 says King Herod heard of it, heard of all that Jesus was doing, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And that is why these miraculous works are at work in him. But others said he is Elijah, and others said he's a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. Look at Luke chapter 9 and verse 7. Luke chapter 9 and verse 7. Chapter 9 and verse 7. It says, now Herod the Tetrarch uh, tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead. Um, Herod, uh, um, we know, and we're going to get into the story in just a moment, uh, was the leader at that time. But there were actually six Herods, so let's do a little history, if you got a piece of paper and a pencil. Number one, there was Herod the Great. He ruled from uh, 37 uh, to 4 B.C., He's the one that um, tried to fool the wise men, and then he had the babies killed. So he's not he's not precious at all. But he is remembered. Second, there was Herod Archelaus from four BC to six BC. He ended up um, doing so poorly that he was uh, replaced by the the Romans. Replaced him with Pontius Pilate. That's why there wasn't. A, a lot of mention of a Herod at that time, until Herod Antipas, 4 BC to AD 39. Jesus called him the Fox. He's the one that killed John the Baptist. Um, And Jesus' trial brought Herod and Pilate together, and uh, they became friends. Well, you know, strange, strange friends, I guess. Uh, Number four, there was Herod Philip, the Tetrarch, from 4 BC to AD 34. Once the one Herod had died, the kingdom was split up. Now, this Herod is is uh, remembered as he ruled the north and east of Galilee, and he married Salome, the daughter of Herodias. She was the one that was the dancing girl that cost JB, John the Baptist, his life, and we're going to look at that today. And then there was Herod Agrippa the, the first, from AD 37 to 44. He's the one that had James killed. He put um, Peter in prison. And uh, he's the one in Acts chapter 12, verses 20 through 23, um, where he didn't give glory to God when they were, the people were praising him and he took the praise rather than transferring it to God. And it said that he died by being eaten by worms, um, some kind of a disease from the inside out. Yeah, I know too much information. And then the final one was Herod Agrippa II in AD 50. After, uh, he ruled from, uh, from AD 50 to after the Jewish war and the destruction of the temple in AD 70. He's the one that interviewed Paul, and his famous line is, are you trying to persuade me to be a Christian in such a short time? And Paul says, not only would I... Wish that I persuade you, but I wish that you would become a Christian. He was the last of the Herods, So now you know this Herod family and this Herod situation. They, This Herod loved to be called king. He loved to be called king. But he was the one that um, arrested John the Baptist and had him arrested because he was worried about what was going on. Now, we read the first few lines here, and it talks about... Um, Herod, believing that John the Baptist had come back from the dead. And then Mark kind of goes backwards a little bit into the past. And he says, for it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. Now, why would she want that? Because John had attacked them because their marriage was adultery. And you don't have to go there. But in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 21, it says, no man shall have his brother's wife. And that's what Herod had done. He had stolen his brother's Philip's wife. Uh, verse 18, for John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. See, the Herods um, had, were uh, those that would abide by uh, or supposed to abide by Jewish law. They weren't Romans. They were set up to rule um, the Jews and to keep them in line except again uh, when the one of Herod failed and so Pontius Pilate was in charge at the time of Christ. Um, And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not. She didn't have the power to do so. This is where grudges will get you in trouble. This is where unforgiveness will get you into trouble. Because what she did because of her Um, grudge against John the Baptist was plot out a way to have John killed, to trick her husband um, to have him killed. Herod would secretly go to John and talk with him, but he didn't have the guts to do it openly, and he didn't have the guts in this situation to be able to spare his life. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly persuaded, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. This word um uh, perplexed here, this word um, is the same word and distressed, is the same word that uh, Jesus, uh, talking about Jesus when he was um, distressed as he's going towards the end of his life. And we're going to use that word again in verse 26. So he was really perplexed. This was not something... Um, minor, he was under conviction in this particular situation, but he would continue to go to John. But again, we don't have any evidence that, that this Herod ever made a, uh, a, a, uh, a change that he, he probably took everything in his life and he continued to run with it. And yet we don't see him ever changed, even though he listened to John the Baptist, um, So verse 22, but an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and leading men of Galilee. An opportunity came. Who was the opportunity for? For Herodias to do, to put her plan um, together to have John the Baptist killed. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, this is Salome, uh, who later married another one of the, the Herods. She came in and danced. She pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. Now, this would have never happened in Jewish culture. They would have never had this kind of a um uh, thing where the seductive dance would have been done. Um and even the the pagans wouldn't have done this and put their women up there. But this was the the kind of lavish lifestyle and kind of um um outward lifestyle that they lived. He threw a big banquet for his friends. I'm sure there's lots of eating and lots of drinking and lots of him trying to show off for his friends. And so he makes a vow. Now, the Bible says it's better not to make a vow to God than to make a vow and not keep it. And look at Acts chapter 5, when we talk about making vows. This is an interesting portion of scripture because people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought the God of the Old Testament was the only God God that did these kinds of things. Well, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are the same God. Look, first of all, in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he was a Levite, a a native of Cyprus. Now, Levites weren't normally uh, allowed to own... property, but he was of the tribe of Levites, but he wasn't necessarily a Levite in this sense, in the strictest sense of the, the word. So he had some property, he sold it. He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostle's feet. This is quite an amazing thing because it's mentioned here. And it's mentioned here because of what happens in chapter five. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, all good, right? All good. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, the property was theirs. They could do anything they want. They could have said, we sold it for $10 and we're bringing five and it would have been fine. But they sold it for $10. I'm just throwing some numbers out there and said they sold it for five. So they lied. And Peter says, you didn't lie to me. You lied to the Holy Ghost. And Ananias Ananias dies. They carry him out and they bury him. And a few minutes later, Sapphira, his wife, comes in and Peter says, tell me how much you sold the property for. And she lies and she dies. And they take her out and bury her. Because you better not make a vow and you better not lie to the Holy Spirit. Now, why was this so intense in in Acts chapter 5? Because any time there was a situation where there was a beginning or a new beginning, there was a, there was more strictness. There was more harshness. You'll remember, um, you'll remember, uh, when the ark was coming through and it was on a cart and it started to fall off the cart and the young man touched it and he died. Why? Because he was told not to. And this was the first situation. So God set a strict standard for them to do that. Remember the, the, uh, the man went into battle and, and, uh, um, got treasures they was told not to and he hid it underneath the tent and when they went through and they lined everybody up it came to be known that he was the one who had stolen the goods and he and his family died and everything was burned up why because it was the beginning of this the battles and God was setting a high standard so you may you may look at this and think wow that's tough yes it is But God was setting an an example here in Acts chapter 5, said great fear came upon everyone around and very few joined the church. The church grew, but very few people on the outward who just want to kind of to be a part of this new thing but didn't really have a relationship with God. They wanted nothing to do with it. So what happened happened uh, for good, as horrible as it was. So Herodias dances, the vow is made, whatever you want, uh, up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and asked, uh, or told her mother, what should I ask for? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Wow, can you imagine mom saying to the daughter, go ask for the head of John the Baptist? But she was obedient, verse 25. And she came back in immediately with haste to the king and, and, asked, and, and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. What a horrible thing to ask for. But he had made this vow in front of all of his guests, and he didn't want to break it, and he didn't want to look bad in front of his guests, so he's going to continue to do the vow. But look at the next verse. And the king was exceedingly sorrowful. Look at Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. And verse 34, Mark chapter 14 and verse 34. And the the reason I'm taking you here is I mentioned earlier that this, he was really distressed because the same word is used here in verse 34 of Mark chapter 14. And he said to them, Jesus talking to his disciples and Gethsemane, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here, watch. Very sorrowful. Um, and in in and the king says I was he was exceedingly sorry. It's the same word. That's how perplexed he was, that's how um sorry he was, that's how um devastated he was, that he would have to um he would have to uh, uh, go through with his word and have um, have him killed. but because of the oaths and the guess he did not want to break his word to reverse 26. Verse 27, and immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Matthew gives a little more information. Go to Matthew chapter 14. And and Matthew's extra information is um, is really something we need to look at. Because it says in Matthew chapter 14, verses 12 and 13, same, same story. Remember, Mark is more into what happened, uh, what Jesus did rather than what he said. But Matthew shares this, verses 12 and 13, Matthew chapter 14. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it. That's the body of John the Baptist. And they went and told Jesus. Verse 13, and when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus heard of this, when Jesus heard of this, he was greatly moved and he went away by himself. Now, it's amazing here that um, that the when John's arrested, nobody steps in to help him. The religious authorities knew he was a prophet. But look at Mark chapter 11, and we'll get a little picture of why they did not step in to do anything. In Mark chapter 11, verse 27 through 33. Mark 11, 27 through 33. And when they came again to Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples, and he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and scribes and the oth- elders came up to him. They approached him. He didn't approach them. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you a question. Many times Jesus answered a question with a question. I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from men?" They were afraid of the people, for they they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What's the point? The point is they didn't uh, respond to John in a positive way either. They looked at... um, John, and, and were afraid to deal with him. And so when Herod has him arrested, he's out of the way. They didn't come to his defense. They didn't come and ask, which was their right to come. Because uh, Herod represented them. And if they were doing something wrong, um, they could have went to them. It uh, went to Herod and said, hey, release John the Baptist. He's done nothing wrong. But they did not. They didn't step up. And then John is killed. Look at uh, Luke chapter 13. Interesting little tidbit here I thought I would throw in. Luke chapter 13. Uh, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. He laments over Jerusalem in this particular thing. At that very same hour, verse 31 and 32 of Luke 13, Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Isn't that amazing? The Pharisees were coming. We don't know who they were, but they were saying, you better get out of here because Herod wants to kill you. Jesus, instead of turning tail and runs, says, and he said to them, go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day. I will finish my course. Jesus says, go tell that fox, not the king. You go tell that fox uh, to get lost. You tell that fox, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Now, Herod would have been one of them that could have set Jesus free later. He had the power to, but he really had no power because God's plan was being fulfilled. Anyway, it's interesting um, that that Jesus calls him the fox. And then we, we see Herod later in Luke chapter 23, as I mentioned, Jesus would go before him. Luke chapter 23, verses 6 through 12. Luke 23, 6 through 12. But look at how Jesus treats Herod. When Pilate heard this, he'd ask whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad for her. He had long desired to see him and to kill him, by the way, because he had heard about him and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. See, he just wanted to see a show. He didn't trust him. He didn't believe him uh, for salvation, obviously. So he questioned him at some length, but Jesus wouldn't even answer him. Jesus wouldn't even give him the time of day. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him, then arraying him in splendor. Did, did uh, splendor, in clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day. For before this, they had been in enmity with each other. And remember, because Pontius Pilate replaced one of the Herods, um, the Herods and the and Pilate didn't get along. But because of Jesus, this strange situation where Pilate send, sends him to Herod as a, as a form of respect, Herod thinks. But actually, Pilate was just trying to get out of it. And he sends him to Herod. And Jesus won't even talk to him. Jesus won't even talk to him. He won't even give him the respect that that Herod wants. This Herod told everybody, you will call me King Herod. And yet Jesus wouldn't speak to him. The true king stood before this fake king. One last scripture, two last scriptures, and we'll close. Acts chapter 12, verses one through four. Here's another Herod. This is the nephew, the one that would marry Salome, the dancing girl. After that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. And this was during the days of unleavened bread. The Herods were a mess. The Herods were bought and paid for. The Herods would do whatever they could to keep power. And because of that, um, they would lose out on something much more important. Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 36, and we'll bring this to a close. Mark chapter 8, verse 36. These men were powerful. These men controlled large portions of the area. And yet these men... um, All of them that we know of died without Christ. Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? The Herods went down in history, all right. The Herods went down in history. But they went down in history as people that were cruel, people that used their power in the wrong way, and people most likely who died without Christ. What does a prophet a man to gain the whole world yet lose his own soul? Numbers chapter six, verse 24, The Lord bless you and keep you. the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you till we talk again.